Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Boomer! That's what I'm talking about. Man, talking about kicking some tail this week. Go Sooners, my goodness. If you didn't come last week, you don't love Jesus, so uh, I'm glad you're here tonight. Hair was like, Ugh. <laughs> listen, we are so excited that you're here. Um, I asked, let's finish strong, right? We just got a couple more weeks of, of school left or in school, right? Um, and I ask, let us finish strong. And let me tell you, I have, I have people asking me all the time, how's crossover going? How's crossover going? I go, man, I have never seen more students on fire for Christ than I have this year. So y'all are just killing it. Keep the faith. Keep going strong. We are excited to see y'all grow. I think before we start tonight, let's, let's take it to the throne and um, let's just invite God to be even more present now than ever. Father, we come to you now. And Lord, I already feel your spirit here. I've already heard great words, a great message. And Lord, we pray for a revival. If our world has ever needed one, we need one right now. And Lord, we want to lay that down at your feet and we beg for you to stir in the hearts of us and help us uh, just see what you need from us in order to just maybe start a spark on this campus. And Lord, let us just start a revival where we are at. Lord, we ask to avoid out all distractions. Let us not worry about anything but what you have to tell us today in and through your word, for it's in your name. Amen. If you would, turn with me to Matthew 13. This is where we're going to be at today. We're going to be in Matthew 13, uh, verses 1 through 3, and this is what it says. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in these parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. Now this is Jesus, who is preaching and teaching to thousands here on this beach. And he's just a couple pages away from paying the ultimate price to give us the ultimate gift. Amen, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for that, right? Okay, awesome. But it was so important for him to speak about this certain thing. It was important for him to say this one line that was so important. For some reason, Jesus wanted me to focus on this one line. A sower went out to sow. Jesus thinks it's worthwhile to speak about the sower. As we know on campus, we have this sower. He has his bag of seed and he is throwing it across the land in order for his field to be plentiful. You know, one person might think, well, why doesn't Jesus, you know, why doesn't he talk about like this great warrior that comes and uses the mighty hand of God and slays all these people? That just sounds sexier, right? Like, that's just, why doesn't Jesus talk about those things, right? Or why doesn't Jesus talk about, man, this man came and he healed thousands while like levitating? Like, that would be so much cooler. But Jesus doesn't talk about that. 
Jesus, when instructing us here, he's giving some of his most insightful thoughts. He's, he's giving us what is important to him. He thought it was important for us to know that a sower went out to sow. Students, I want you to keep in mind of something. There would be no harvest if the sower didn't go out to sow. Students, this might seem like something small to you. This might be something that you think is common, or this is something that you might have heard before. But I want us to know something, is that if Jesus was willing to give it to these thousands of peoples about a sower needed to go sow, I think it is important that we need to learn about a sower going and sowing. Now, Listen, I didn't read a book in college, amen? Like, I read books outside of college. I just didn't read the actual books I probably needed to, to read, like Cliff Notes, hello. Like, why read a whole book when I read the Cliff Notes, right? You are so studious, right? Here's the quick Cliff Note version of this. No matter what calling you have in your life, no matter what location you will be somewhere on the map someday, somehow, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, we are all called for this one reason, to be sowers. We are to be throwing the seed of the gospel to all nations. And just think about that. That the powerful words that we say that are our Father's words, we throw them and it could literally uh, make God snatch someone out of the depths of hell and bring them into salvation for all eternity. That is how important it is for a sower to go and sow. As the great Charles Spurgeon wrote, he says, O oh, teacher, when you labor even amongst the infants, what is the result of thy teaching? Good corn can maybe even grow in small fields. God may bless the simple words of the babes that listen to them. How knowest thou, O letter, unlettered brother, when thou stand up in the cottage to talk to a few poor folk about Christ, what may follow from the effort of thine? Lo, or death, heaven, or hell may depend on the sowing of the good seed of the gospel. It must be the most important event that can ever happen if the Lord goeth forth with thee when thou goest forth as the sower who went forth to sow. Students, the Lord rejoices when souls are reborn to him. But how could there be a joy if there isn't any sowing of God's word. For it still pleases God that he can use even the foolishness of our preaching. He can use the foolishness of our teaching. He can use the foolishness of your words at Brahms, talking to your best friend and saying, you know what, all you need to know is Jesus, right? I don't know much more than that. He can use that foolishness to save someone who believes in him, Amen. So what are we going to learn today? I'm going to preach a sermon like I've never preached before. I'm going to look at a sower went out to sow. There's three questions that I want to be able 
to understand through this passage. I want to know who was he? What did he do? What was it for? Who was he? Now, I don't know about you, when I'm looking at this message, I'm trying to understand, like, who was this sower that went out to sow? I don't know what your Bible says, but what my Bible clearly states is it doesn't show me what he does for an occupation, right? It doesn't tell me if he's a banker or a surgeon. It doesn't tell me if he's a student or a teacher or a preacher. or It doesn't tell me anything, if he's short, if he's tall, if he's bald or not. Bald is sexy in 2020, all right? You're welcome for that advice. It doesn't, it doesn't say anything about that. What it shows is that he is a sower that is willing to sow. It shows that he has lost his identity on who he is, and he's gained his identity in what he is doing in and for and through Christ. He has become a sower. What else do we notice about this sower? It does not show how great of a sower he really is, right? doesn't really show how impeccable or fluent he is and how he sows or how he goes and spreads the gospel. It doesn't show how good he is at throwing that seed. It doesn't show how, how educated he is or how memorized he is on the scripture. It just says that he is sowing what he is supposed to sow. It doesn't show whether he's nervous or not. He is a sower that has to sow. Now, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had someone in your life that was just better than you at something? Right? Like you had that friend, like you would go play one-on-one and like you could just never beat this person. And you're just like, oh, I hate basketball, right? Like someone turned and walk away, you're like playing tennis, you know, one-on-one. You're like, I just can never beat them. And like you just turn around, like walk away. Like that's how you would be if you ever played me in ping pong. You just could never beat me, okay? Seriously though, I'm not joking. All right. You know, one time... Um, Anytime that I listen to Francis Chan preach, I mean, the dude's like five foot three Asian, bald headed dude. He's got the hands the size of Shaq. And he's like, You just need to love Jesus. And he says it with so much passion. You connect with him and you love him and you just need to come to. He's like crying. He's like worshiping, like crying, worshiping. And he's like, just like so intimate with you. And like, he's just telling you how much you need. And like, like thousands come to Christ. I was like, I quit. Like, <laughs> I just, I can't preach like him, right? Or I listen to Matt Chandler and the dude dissects the word like it's just the voice of God and he just pounds it in your face and it's just like, oh my goodness, how could I ever preach again, right? I'm just like, gosh, just so good. I had a disciple when I first was in seminary and my disciple literally saved me from quitting ministry. There was a time where I just about quit ministry And listen, without Joe Perry, there would be no crossover. So, like, we need to be very thankful for Joe Perry. Um, But what I loved about Joe Perry, I sat under his discipleship for a year. And no matter where we went, 
This dude was leading people to Christ. I'm talking at the gas station. The dude would strike up a conversation in the parking lot, at the grocery store, in like the, the waiting line of anything. This dude, no lie. It was like watching the master, like a master chess player. It was intriguing to watch this big old Louisiana 6'5 hillbilly, all right? He had the biggest draw that you could ever, ever like hear in your life. But no lie, within a matter of three minutes, he could change this whole conversation without the other person knowing it, and he could turn it right back to Jesus and how you need him. And it was, it was, it was amazing to watch him lead hundreds of people to Christ. And I look at him, I was like, Joe, like I just, man, I could never be as good as you at leading someone to Christ. And I just was like, I was just so like, inadequate, right? I was just like, I just couldn't believe I could never do this as good as you. I didn't compare to Joe. And it almost made me just want to quit even talking about it. Students, my question to us is how many of us don't spread the seed of God's gospel because we think we are inadequate? How many of us don't talk about Jesus because we play the compare game and we don't speak like this guy? We don't sound like this girl. We don't know the Bible like the back of our hand. We haven't been perfect. We haven't, we've, we've done this sin and this sin and this sin. And I could never be like this person because this person has never done this. And I could never be like this guy or say like this guy because I just don't know. And we just feel so inadequate. And instead of stepping into our inadequacies, we actually just step back and don't say anything at all. Students, listen, I realized at that time that, I will, that there will always be a better evangelist. I realized that there was always going to be better preachers. Now, they might not be better looking, but they might be able to preach better than me. Right, babe? Right, babe? <laughs> but instead of letting that be the end of my calling... I let it be an example of my calling. See, their hands might be able to hold more seed. They might be able to throw farther. They might be able to throw more seed. But I can still throw seed, amen? I'm still throwing the same seed as them. I might be doing it a little different, less eloquent way. They might be double fisting, reverse layuping, all these, right? They might be awesome at spreading the gospel and doing it in a great and a miraculous way. And I might be that one person's like, okay, Lord, like I'm about to go talk to my best friend, all right? Like, just let it hit, bro, all right? Like, just don't let them like hit me, but like, Lord, let it hit them, all right? And like, you're just like, shaking in your knees, sweating in your armpits. Jesus doesn't talk about how many seeds the sower threw. It talks that he threw the seeds. The sower went to sow. What this tells me is Jesus isn't looking how you throw and how many seeds you are throwing. He's just looking to see if you are throwing seeds. Are we throwing seeds, students? Are we spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to our community? Now, I want to dig in just for a second here. I want to get a little bit personal in here. I want to 
be a little testimonial here. Some of y'all right now, I know without a shadow of a doubt, you are in a toxic place. You are in a place where you're, you're, you're kind of stuck in a rut. You're feeling down. You don't really know where your identity is. You're not really thriving. You're kind of surviving in life, and you're kind of just going through the flow, right? You're just trying to get this semester over with, trying to get to Christmas, and you're just trying to survive day in and day out. And listen, I have been there. This was the process of me trying to get out of that funk is first I tried to quit every sin that I had, right? Every sin that I could expose, I was like, well, I'm going to quit this, quit this, and quit this. And I literally, I tried to quit every physical sin that I possibly could, try to get into the word and pray as much as I possibly could. Don't get me wrong. It helped. It did. It helped. The next stage I did was I started getting healthy. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to start working out. And eating right, like I talked about a couple months ago. You eat like crap, you sleep like crap, you feel like crap, right? And it did, it helped me. And I felt, I felt better physically, but I was still having this anxiety in my chest. There was still something that was going on with me emotionally. I just could not get out of this funk and I just couldn't understand like, Lord, I'm here. Lord, I'm going to church. Lord, I'm doing a lot. Like, what is going on? Why will you not get me out of this funk? And I know that a lot of you are in the same boat. One night I was... Filling up my Impala Shikala at the gas station. Dude, I used to roll in style. I was tipping that hard, all right? I was sitting there filling it up, and this homeless guy comes and knocks on my window. I was making literally like 14 cents an hour at this point because I was in ministry. I make 15 cents an hour now. He knocks on the window and asks if I had any spare change. He was real, real. Like, I mean, he was just real with me, saying, like, I've had a hard time and trying to get some, some food. And this kind of set the trajectory for my life because for some reason, I think it's the bald head, like, homeless people just ask me, no lie, like, four or five times a month, homeless people ask me for money. And this is what I've done since then because I looked at the $5 bill in my, in my cup holder and I worked hard for that $5. And I said, listen, I worked hard for this $5. I want to make you work for it just a little bit. I'll give you $5 if you give me five minutes. At this point, as soon as I said that, I felt the holy hug of God. I was like, all right, God, you're here. Let's do it. All right. And I don't remember exactly the words that I said or how I said it. Is that I looked at him and I just said, you know what? I'm a sinner in need of a savior and If you want a Savior, I don't even know exactly how I said it. But I do know this. That night at that gas station, he started crying in my car, tears down his face, knowing that he needed Jesus. And I'm telling you, that fire in my chest started burning. The excitement started happening. And we prayed over it. I gave him the $5. He went and he was rejoicing when he left my car. And I'm driving home. I got the tears in my eyes. I got the throat, like the frog in my throat. And I'm just like, thank you, Jesus. And that burning of anxiety and downness was actually broken inside of me. It was actually full of excitement. And I I was changed. I had the peace that passed all understanding. And I realized that I needed to go and do this more. And it wasn't because of how I spread the gospel that I was excited. I was excited because I did spread the gospel. And I knew that it brought the Father joy and the Father let me feel it. 
Students, do we know that we're supposed to go forth and spread the gospel? Do we know that? I mean, that's pretty common sense, right? If you've had some proximity around Jesus, you know that we're supposed to go and spread the gospel. Over 30 times in the Bible, does it talk about it? Just in three verses, in Acts 13, 47, it says, For this is what the Lord has commanded us, that I have made you the light unto the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Mark 16, 15 says, he said, go to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Acts 20, 24 says, however I can consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given to me. The task of testifying the good news of God's grace. We know we are to be sowers. And I think that we need to quit looking on how well we throw the seed and we need to just throw the daggum seed. Quit worrying about, am I going to say it right? Do I know enough? And all of this. And we need to throw the seed. We need to present the gospel. Someone is always going to be able to do it better. Some people can throw more seed than us and reach thousands if when we can only reach one and one. But God doesn't count how many seeds you throw. He just counts whether you are throwing seed or not. So who was this man? He was a man whose identity was not in his job, but in his actions for Christ. Now students, listen, I don't have a works-based faith. I don't believe that you have to work for your salvation. I don't have to I don't believe you have to work your way into heaven or to be the best person in this world to go to heaven, but I do have a faith-based works. I work because I work for Jesus because of my faith in Jesus. We can say that we know Jesus all day long. We can go to Bible studies. We can go to church. We can do everything that is right. But if our actions don't match our acclamations, then our faith isn't working. If you love Jesus, your identity should be in how you spread the gospel of Jesus to others. This leads me to point number two. What did the sower do? It says here that he went, or in King James Version, it says he went forth. At some point in this man's life, he says, it's been long enough. I must go and sow. Students, my question to us, a lot of us have been in church for a while. A lot of us got saved when we were seven years old. A lot of us had a church camp way back when. A lot of us have been in the proximity of Jesus. My question to you is, is has it been long enough? Because if we were to be really honest, which I always try to be up here, a lot of us in here, we have never really worked for the salvation of souls. Now that would be a pretty cool, pretty cool band name, right? Salvation of souls, right? You gotta go start one, make a million bucks, just give 20% to crossover, all right? See, when I, when I was about eight years old, my grandfather gave me a, a, a remote control car, and I loved this thing. I mean, this thing was 
I mean, it was pretty expensive. I, I could presume it could go like zero to 60 in like negative 2.5 seconds. Like this is going to chop your leg off if it hits you. All right. Like I loved this thing. It was like the coolest toy out of any of my friends. It had a great paint job. It was, it was fly. All right. I drove an Impala later and I also had a cool RC car when I was little. Like cars are my thing. All right. I did drive a Mustang in there, like a six cylinder red one and it, Never mind, it was a chick car. It wasn't very cool then. But with this RC car, man, I would wax it. I would wash it. Like, I drove it, like, in between the curbs, trying not to scuff it up. I let one of my friends drive it one time, and he flipped it over, put a nice scratch on it. Like, I yelled at him. Like, I haven't talked to him since. I was eight, okay? But any time that any of my friends wanted to drive it, I told them no. And what I noticed is they, is when I was driving it, they would actually just distance themselves and they would go play football or basketball and they wouldn't, wouldn't even ask. I wouldn't play with them. And then finally I realized, like, man, it's kind of lonely over here, right? And I was like, finally at one point I was like, all right, I got to share with them. And I, re- I knew what was going to happen. I knew it was going to get beat up. But I had six of my friends. I remember the day. And I let all six of them drive this car. And you should have seen the laughter. You should have seen the excitement. Like we rallied together around this car. They were flipping it on curbs. They scraped the junk out of it. You couldn't even notice the car anymore, all right? But we had so much fun. I remember at eight years old, I took a step back. And I said that they never would have enjoyed my gift unless I shared my gift. Students, my question is this. Is how many people in our life don't get to enjoy Jesus because we haven't shared the gift of Jesus with them. Students, I want us to be aware of something. In many pulpits, they probably won't preach this. We're all going to stand before the Lord someday. Do we believe that? We're all going to stand before the Lord someday. And I, I can't promise much in this world, but I can promise this, is that we're going to see Jesus face to face And you want to know one question that I kind of shake over and I'm very aware of is the question of how well did you share my gift? How well did you sow the seed? How well did you share my gospel throughout your life? Students, many of us in here, if we're honest with ourselves, we we probably would say, well, I went to church, or I went to my Bible study, or I was on prayer team, or I sold t-shirts in the back, or I did this, and I did this, and I did this. But Jesus is always going to say, but how well did you share my gift? How well did you go and proclaim my gospel? On that day, that question is going to bring shame to many, but it doesn't have to be you. Amen? It does not have to be you. We can go forth and so, students, let me, tell you, tell, let me tell you what happens when you put your arm around somebody and, you know, you're nervous, you're shaking, you don't know all the words, you don't know all the Bible, you don't ever know everything to say, but all you can say is, you know what, I got a Savior that loves you and wants to be the Savior world. Let me tell you about it. Let me tell you how it becomes part of your life, part of your lifestyle. It starts becoming so addictive to you that you want to share it and proclaim it for the rest of your life. The question that the Lord asks us at that day doesn't become fearful for us anymore. It actually starts becoming exciting because you say, you know what, Lord, I wasn't perfect. 
I didn't live my life perfect. I did sin. I didn't do everything right. But you know what? I proclaimed your gift to everyone as much as I possibly can and everyone that I was aware of that needed it as much as I possibly could. And Lord, I hope that you are proud. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, the Lord will say, well done, my good and faithful uh, student. Yeah, sure. All right. Students, side note here is many of us are addicted to many things. It could be porn, it could be alcohol, it could be sex, it could be Star, Starbucks pumpkin spice lattes, right? I don't know what you're addicted to, but I know a lot of us are addicted to a lot of things. And let me tell you, there is nothing more addictive in my life than sharing the gospel to someone who needs it. Because when you see them really take that into their life and say, you know what, I do want that. You feel this holy awareness of Jesus being there and you realize that you didn't just change your life for now, but you helped change their life for eternity. There's something that becomes so addictive to it. Guys, try it. Have fun with it. Because you bring glory to Jesus. You gotta share the gift, students. Go forth and sow. My question to you is this. What does the other person have to lose if you share the gospel with them? What does the other person have to lose if you share the gospel with them? Better question, what do they have to lose if you don't? Students, the other thing about going forth it shows me is that he quit kind of learning. He quit kind of trying to learn every detail and he actually went forth to go proclaim the gospel. Why aren't we sharing the gospel, you, you ask? What is the number one answer that I would get from people in this room out of the thousands of copies I have is why aren't we sharing the gospel? It always comes down to one thing. Brent, I just don't know enough. They're going to ask me a question that I just do not know. Guys, let me tell you something. It's time to step away from study, study, study. I need to learn more, learn more. I need to go to Sunday school more. I need to go to church more. I need to learn more, learn more, memorize more, podcast more, podcast more. And listen, I'm telling you, you got to go share more. Because trust me, to go forth, it's worth it. It gives you a purpose. It gives you a drive. It takes your eyes off of your inadequacies and it puts your trust in the faith of God to give you the words that you need to say. Because in, the math, in Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. What areas of our life are we living in faith? The best way to live for faith is to start walking in faith and trusting that God is going to give you the words to say to that person. Put it in the, into practice. And this is what's what leads me to my last point, is what was all this for? What was it for? Students, I hope and I pray that this last point can help all of us. I pray that, that many of us in this room, we can gather around this point. I hope our, our churches can understand this. I hope our friend groups can rally around it and unify. I hope all of our races and backgrounds can get on board with this. I hope all political parties understand this one drive here, that the sower did not keep the seed for himself. He threw it, and he threw it with a purpose. He threw it not knowing if it would take, as, long, as we read later on, we don't know what type of ground it was falling on. 
It was not his job to change people. He threw it with no responsibility for the growth because that was not his job. He spreads it. And that's the hope that we can take away from this. But he, he did it all for this one reason. It was for the glorification of God. And the best way to glorify God is to spread the word of God to the people that needed. That was the singular purpose, was to proclaim Christ. So how do we do friendships? We do friendships in a way that can glorify and can pro- proclaim Christ. How do we walk? How do we talk? How do we live? We live to proclaim Christ. How do churches survive? How do churches thrive? How do churches walk with purpose with God? It's to glorify God and how we proclaim Christ to the nations. The way that we vote. Uh Uh-oh, we're going there. How do we vote? We vote in a way that is not only the best for me, but I vote for a platform that will be the best for the spreading of God's word. I vote for the platform that I believe will enhance the religious freedom. I will vote for a governor, a mayor, maybe even a president that I believe will fight for the church and fight for the glorification of God and the spread of his word. A sower went to sow. He had a singular purpose All he did was sow for the glory of God and for Christ. Students, we are so confused about what we're supposed to do with our life or how we're supposed to do friendships or how we're supposed to do church. What if our whole purpose in his life was to be a a sower of God's word throughout the nations? He was about the advancement of the gospel So how do we contextualize this to the modern day college student? How do we spread the gospel to the nation? I think three ways that we can focus on right now is families, friends, and unfamiliar faces. Family, friends, and unfamiliar faces. You ready for this? The sower didn't throw different seed to different people, did he? He threw the same seed to every single person. It was the same gospel to everybody. So people ask, well, how am I supposed to talk with my dad? Or how am I supposed to talk with my friends? Or how am I supposed to talk with people randomly that I just feel the urge to tell them about the gospel? Now listen, this is how Brent Russell does it, all right? So y'all can, y'all can take notes of this and build upon it, or you can shift it and figure out your own spiritual muscle that you need to flex. flex. But this is how... Your, your boy does it, all right? So many times I've had Starbucks coffee with many people, and I will literally somehow just get to know them, get to talk with them, get to, get to kind of read the situation, and I might lean in and say, hey, did you grow up going to church? Some of them say yes, some of them say no. And at some point I'm like, well, where's, where are you at with Jesus? Like, where, like, what do you think about Jesus? Do you, do, you, do you believe in him? Like, what are some of your beliefs and all this? And I like to see where, like, the proximity is to Jesus. And then I ask this question that I've literally asked over 10,000 people. Is, you know, if you were to step outside right now and a semi were to hit you in the face, all right? Sometimes I get, I get real creative. Like, a car hits you or a grandma hits you with a scooter, right? I don't know what it is. But it kills you. And you were to be standing toe-to-toe, face-to-face with Jesus, 
And he looks at you in the eyeball and says, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And I'm going to tell you, students, 98% of the time, almost everyone says, well, I'm, I try to be good. I try to go to church. You know, my grandfather baptized me when I was three, right? I got sprinkled as a baby. I've heard everything. And I say, you know what? Here in about three minutes, if we continue this conversation, you'd actually probably look at me and say, well, Brent, what would you say when you're standing toe-to-toe, face-to-face with Jesus? And I said, in the Bible, you know what it says? That if you believe that Christ came and, and died for you, and on the third day rose again, and you were a sinner in need of a Savior, and you trusted that, and you believed that, and you made Jesus the King of your life, and you'd walk in eternity with Him. You want to know the weight that is lifted off of thousands of people's shoulders when I have said that? They're like, wait, that's it? I'm like, yeah, that's what the Bible says. It's, it's not hard becoming a Christian. Now, it might be hard being a Christian, amen, hallelujah, right? But you can't be like Jesus until you have Jesus. And students, if you can do that with your family, if you can do that with your friends, if you can just tell them, you know what, I'm a sinner just like you and I'm in need of a savior just like you, is that something that you would like to have today? And you just walk with them through that process of just saying, you know what, let's just talk to Jesus. Jesus, I'm in sinner need of a savior. Lord, I believe that you came and you died for me and you rose again for my sin and you conquered sin. And Lord, I just want to trust you to be the Lord and the savior of my life. You could change someone's eternity. That's how big of a deal it is. And that's how simple it is. 99.9% of the time, they're not going to ask you a question that you do not know. Students, if I could just end with this. If, you, if, if students of Crossover would just start proclaiming the word just little bit at a little bit at a little bit of time to friends that, you, that we know, if I had y'all raise your hands on who knows somebody that needs Jesus, I would, I would probably presume that most of y'all do. I'm telling you, we could see an awakening on this campus and we could see a revival like, like we never have before. And I ask you and I urge you to do so. Listen, students, let me finish with this last sentence. There is no harvest if there is no sowers. We need to be sowers of God's word. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We come to you. And we know that you have given us this great gift. And Lord, I beg and I plead that we don't take it for granted, that we don't cheapen your grace, that we actually proclaim your grace to people And we say, you know what? I want to meet someone where they're at. I want to be able to talk with them and and, and not just hold this gift and be selfish with it, but I want to be able to proclaim it with all my might. Lord, I don't want to be afraid of the day that I see you face to face. I want to be excited about it. I want to be able to look at you and say, Jesus, you know what? I gave it all that I had. And, you know, I talked to all my friends. I talked to all my colleagues. I talked to everybody in my life about you. I'm excited about you. 
Lord, and I was so excited to see all the miracles take place around me because you used me as a mouthpiece and you used me to be able to proclaim your word to people. Lord, I beg that people get excited about sharing the good news of your gospel. I beg that we become sowers like we never have before, that it gives us drive, that it gives us direction. And Lord, for those of us who are just kind of floating in this life in and out and we're stuck in a rut and we don't know how to get out of it, Lord, I beg for them to just start proclaiming your gospel and let that miracle of proclamation just come over them and it gets them out of this rut and it gets them into a walk in a great relationship with you like they never have before. Lord, there are some students in here tonight that when I asked if you were to stand toe-to-toe, face-to-face with Jesus, and he said, why should I let you into my heaven? I know there were some students in here that did not know the answer to that. And my prayer is tonight that they are able to take a step of faith and say, you know what, Jesus, I need you to be the Savior for my life. The Bible says if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are Lord and that you came and you died and you rose again on the third day to conquer all sin, and I believe that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, I beg that they do that tonight. I beg that they take that step of eternity with you. Lord, let them come down to the front and pray with our prayer warriors down here up in the balcony. Let them have that. Lord, if there's some students right now that want to shrug off some stuff in their life that is holding them from proclaiming the word, Lord, I ask them to go go and talk to the prayer team. Lord, let us worship these last couple songs with all that we have. For it's in your name. Amen. Let's stand up and worship, please.